If you're new here, my name is Pastor Rick, and this is Pastor Carol. <laughs> and if you're not new, you know that that's not true. Um, I'm Pastor Scott, and this is my wife, Cindy, and um, we're excited to be here and be um, teaching in this series. We were talking, this is the first time I think we've got to do this type of setting we've shared before together, but never done a full sermon together, so we're, we're excited about that. And if, um, just a little background about us, we've been married for 18 years now and, <laughs> and blessed to have uh, two kids, two great kids uh, in the seventh grade and fifth grade. But this series that we're talking about, uh, Raising Kids in Babylon, really hits home for us because we have somebody that, uh, both an elementary and a teenager, uh, student in elementary school, and now somebody that's entering into the junior high and high school phase of life. So um, we're dealing with both of those so we can relate um, with a lot of the parents who are currently going with it and have gone uh, before us. So we're, we're learning as we go too, but hopefully um, we're excited about uh, sharing some insight here. And um, we actually um, got our start in youth ministry while we were dating. So um I don't know how many years ago, over 20 years ago, we um, started teaching a junior high Bible study at um, Friendly Village uh, Mobile Home Park. They have a little community center, and we would do a Bible study there every week. Um, that's kind of start how we started dating. We'd do Bible study, and then Scott would go, well, maybe we should get coffee after, and it just progressed from there, but <laughs> that's a little plug for a youth ministry. You know, if you want to find your mate, you can come serve and maybe, you know. I think we need to practice. We were doing worship. I think we need to practice one more time to get yeah, those songs yeah. down. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but here we are still doing youth ministry. Um, we have a passion to see the next generation really um, become all that God has for them. And... Um, most youth pastors last about three years statistically, um, but God's just given us um, a heart for these youth, and um, I think it was so timely that these girls sang this morning and what they sing about, and um, I happen to know firsthand that several of them this week um, really went through some trying things, um, being attacked on social media for standing up for their beliefs, and um, I'm just so proud of our youth, um, and I just want to encourage you to pray for them every time you think of it, because we truly are living in a modern-day Babylon. And as, as we talk about that and, and share today, um, when we look around what's going on in the world, in our culture, it can be discouraging at times. It can be overwhelming. Um, and today, the goal here for us is not to discourage or make it overwhelming, um, but really try to be practical on how we can equip, empower, and encourage you to raise your kids um, in this environment that we live in. So even if you're not sure why that title, uh, Raising Kids in Babylon, um, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, Babylon was the place where the children of Israel, King Nebuchadnezzar came in, took the children of Israel and took them into captivity into Babylon. They were there for 70 years. And during that time, the people of God had to learn how to navigate life. How do I be a follower and serve the one true and living God in a culture that is not serving the one true and living God? And so there you could see, you read stories of um, Shadmach, Shadrach, say that three times, <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and where they 
uh, were getting pushback from the culture. In fact, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, made a decree that everybody had to worship this gold statue, and then they, had, they were faced with the decision. You know, do I go with the culture? Do I go with the norm? Or do I stand up and, you know, refuse to maybe go with, with that? And it cost them. But God rescued them, if you're familiar with that story. And I think as we look at these stories in the Old Testament and we talk about Babylon, Babylon is really symbolic for the world outside of Christ, right? It's everything that is outside when the Bible talks about the world. Um, in fact, I have um, a scripture in John First John 5.12, uh, 5.19, it says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So it's this opposition, the people of God, and then the world. In the Bible, it's not talking about the actual, you know, planet Earth. When it talks about the world, it's talking about the system outside of God. It's under the sway of the evil one. And in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, says, in the case, in their case, and this is talking about unbelievers, this is a really interesting verse. It says, the case, the God, little g God, that's not our God, of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them seeing the light of the glory of Christ. So as we look today and realize that's the backdrop where this, that we're talking about when we're talking about Babylon, we're talking about this world system outside of Christ. They're, they're under the sway of the enemy, their eyes are blinded, and they don't even know it, and they don't even know it, and we have to try to raise a family, try to be strong in the Lord in that culture. Um, so today, what we want to do is we want to give you three essentials to raising your kids in Babylon, three essentials to raising your kids in Babylon. And the first point is that we have to train them up. Um, almost anything in life requires training, right? Um, anything that's um, worth working towards requires training. And the Bible tells us this. He says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've all heard that verse. We've probably used it um, at times when we needed encouragement with our kids. Um, but I think it's important to note that there's a prerequisite in that scripture. Um, and it says, train up your child in the way he should go, and in the end, he won't depart from it. It doesn't say bring your kid to church sometimes and in the end they won't depart from it. It doesn't say teach them a couple Sunday school songs and in the end they won't depart from it. And it doesn't say tell your kid they're a Christian and in the end they won't depart from it. It tells us the prerequisite is that we have to train them up. And the definition um, of train is to teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. Training takes time. It takes effort. Um, parenting can be very exhausting. Um, those of you who are in the trenches with your kids right now know that. Um, training takes time, and um, but your kid's spiritual walk is worth it. Um, we train our kids in a lot of things. It might be sports. We go out and throw a ball with them. We train them in how to learn at school, maybe how to clean their room. So there's a lot of things that we do, sometimes just naturally without thinking about it, that we're training our kids in. But what we found is that a lot of times training our kids in the way of the Lord, that's like here. And it should be here. That should be the priority. All the other stuff is great. I have a friend who's a principal, and um, she posted the other day, 
Your job as a parent is to get your kids to heaven, not to Harvard. And <laughs> that's so true. It's not that we don't, you know, help our kids be successful. We want to help them be successful in all areas of their life. But the priority and the emphasis and the most important thing should be our kids' spiritual health. And it requires training. Deuteronomy says it this way in um, verses 6, 6 through 9, on how to train our kids. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. As we're talking about this, too, I just was, the Lord was prompting my heart, because I know that in when we gather like this, there's people in different seasons of life. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what season of life you're in, you're always training somebody up. Now, maybe, because you may think, well, I have adult children now, so it's different. Well, there's going to be grandchildren, maybe, eventually, and maybe, so maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a teacher. We're always influencing this next generation. So a lot of these principles, and if you don't have kids um, yet, and that's part, you plan on having that be part of your future, this is good stuff, and that you can hold on to some biblical principles for when that day does come. But even if it's not your own children, we're really influencing those around us. God will put people in your life uh, from this next generation that you're going to be able to speak truth and some of these principles. So even starting with that, um, it says there's, there's two aspects. Cindy wrote, uh, read this verse in Deuteronomy 6. And it says uh, that we're to uh, verse 6, 6. It says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them to your children, diligently to your children. Interesting. So first, we, there's two aspects. We have to get the word in our own hearts, right? You ever had somebody try to teach you something they don't know about? <laughs> you know, it's like, and you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. So we, we need to try and make every effort to get the word parents, now I'm talking to, into our own hearts and our own lives if we're going to be able to teach them and instill those values and instill those biblical principles to our children. So it's, it's got to be in us. So it starts with us. So really, it's, it's really, in some ways, the sermon is about us, not just our kids, because it's, it's what, are we, what are we doing um, to get the word in us, these principles in us, and then they're going to overflow. And that's all aspects of your life, right? If God's doing something in you and the word of God is in you, it's going to come out. You're going to start to see that in all your relationships, and this just happens to be one of them in your children. Um, but it says where to teach and when to teach. It says in your house and on the way. That's inside the house and outside the house. And, and, and when to teach when you lie down, that's when you go to bed, and when you rise up. As when you wake up. So in other words, the Bible's trying to tell us something here. It says morning and evening, we're supposed to constantly keep Jesus, constantly keep the Lord in front of our kids, in front of our families, morning and evening, whether you're in the house, um, out of the house. And we want to hopefully give you a little bit of some practical application on, on what we've done and some things that we could be doing to, 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 uh, to really install and uh, the word of the Lord in our kids and train them up. Um, one of the ways is just through natural conversation. And I promise you, if you ask the Lord to give you opportunities with your kids um, to talk about the Lord, he's going to give you those opportunities. But just be prepared to um, weave your faith and the scripture into just natural conversations. I 
um, just a couple weeks ago, Scott and Nathan were watching a football game, and so Rachel and I went to our favorite store, which is the 99-cent store, and <laughs> we were walking around. We often peruse in there, and um, she picked up a frame, and it said, love is all you need, and she looked at me, and she said, mom, that's not really true, huh? And I said, no, babe, it's not. I, I talked to her about how God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory, and we had a little conversation about that. But what I realized is that she understood a couple principles already. She understood, one, that we don't just take everything that we see and take it as fact, um, but that we filter everything through the word of God and everything through um, what he says about us. And then the other thing is she realized that our Christianity isn't compartmentalized. It's not just what we do at church, but it's a part of our lives. It's a part of everything that we do, and it's weaved into everything that we do. So just look for natural ways to um, talk about the Lord in your everyday lives. Um, the other thing that we like to do is to put scripture. It talks about in your homes um, and that's just a practical thing. You can put scripture in your home. Um, nowadays, you can go to any store and buy a frame with some sort of scripture. We're blessed that way. Um, so put scripture in your home. I remember growing up, my mom would take a um, marker that could be erased, and she'd write a scripture on our mirror. Or um, I'd get in the car with my dad, and he'd have a three-by-five card in there with a scripture. So just do whatever you can to just constantly have scripture before you. We have a little chalkboard that we um, will write scriptures on, and the kids will now do that too. They just naturally will come in. They'll throw scripture on there. Um, so just find ways that you can do that in your home and just keep the scripture before you. Definitely. I know. Um, and, and we're really just trying to take this literal because it literally, because it says, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your <laughs> gates. And that's kind of what we did. So even when we first got married, we had when we bought our house, we had a, a sign or these vinyl letters put up above it. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I didn't even have, we didn't have kids then. So at that point, so we were just prophesying over a house. And you know what? This house, this, our, our life, and it's much more than your home. We're going to serve the Lord. And we were making that, that declaration there. Um, as far as uh, some more practical things on the way, because it says, teach them to your children in the home. And on the way. So for me, on the way, I mean, how often are we in the car with our kids when you're growing up? There's a lot of times and opportunities that we could just be pumping the music or we can actually take those times to invest, you know, and talk. So um, we will, I have gotten in the habit since my kids were really little, so they know, and if you were to ask them, they would say, I don't know if we've, we've I'm sure we've missed a few times here and there, but for the most part, every time to school or when we're going somewhere like leaving the house for the day, and if I've got them and we're a family in the car, we pray. So this is what we'll do, and it goes exactly like this. Um, you know what we're going to pray? We'll go littlest to oldest. And again, I'm always the oldest, so I go last. Um, but in, in regardless, and if Cindy's in the car with us or them, and they know, and so Rachel will pray, then Nathan, then Cindy, then myself, and we'll, and we'll close in prayer. And it's, it's great to hear your kids pray, too. You know, and sometimes you can start to see that it's like, okay, we're getting in this pattern. We're kind of praying the same thing. Lord, bless our day, you know. Um, you know, prayer that no one gets hurt at school today. It's pretty funny when I remember going to some of the school assemblies. It's like the same prayer. Lord, just save everyone in the world. Um, pray that we're all, no one, gets, no one gets hurt on the playground today. It's like the same prayer like every time for everything. So just to kind of avoid some of that and keep it, you know, fresh. Sometimes we'll go like, um, you know what, let's pray for somebody today. 
each of us pick somebody, you know, and we'll pick somebody and they'll go, okay, you know, just to kind of keep them, you know, thinking. And it's really good to hear your kids praying and you can kind of see and learn a lot uh, about them. Um, one of the things, too, um, for we live in this, I, I have a 13-year-old boy, and um, if you have a teenage boy, um, uh, they love video games, right? They love video games. You've got to find your kids' love language, you know? And we've tried to set boundaries and, 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 and guides on what they can play and what they can't play and, and using wisdom. I'm not here to try to give, be legalistic today and give you a message. And here, here's the list of the games your kids should be playing. Here's, I'm not going to do that. That's not my heart. My heart is really to just, um, again, this is about what? Training up our kids to serve the Lord. And just really when that becomes, you know, and that becomes the highest priority, you're going you're gonna to really start to kind of see and, and evaluate some of the things. Well, this probably isn't the best um, for it. So I'm not going to give you on what you should and shouldn't be, you know, letting them as far as games. But with the games, what we've done is we set time limits. You know, some of the games, so you use your time. And then when that time was done, the way that they can earn more time, screen time, we call it, was through either doing, like, you do 15 minutes of Bible, and you get 15 more minutes. So Nathan would come, he goes, hey, I did, like, we have, there's certain apps, like Scripture Typer, where they can, it's like a Bible memory program. They could read their Bible for, like, 30 minutes, and Nathan would go, hey, I just, you know, I did Scripture Typer for 15 minutes, and then I read my Bible for 15 more minutes. And I'm like, okay, great. You just unlock 30 more minutes of video games. And it's like, yes, that's a good trade-off to me. Oh, yeah, I'm like, okay, so, so 30 minutes, you know, get some spiritual stuff, because if not, you know, honestly, I'm not kidding, my kid would just sit there all day and play games <laughs> and, and, and do it. So I have to kind of, you know, be, be creative on ways to, to get them, uh, to get the word in. Uh, one other thing, church attendance, so important. I know, again, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Church is not an option. Church is not an option. So it's not, we don't wake up on a Sunday and I don't like, let me, and I love football. I don't look at the football schedule and go, oh, this is a good day. This is, you know, you're probably saying, you know, that's because you're a pastor here. I, this was before I was a pastor. And I have stories, but I'm not going to, I'm going to do a quick one too. I'm getting off here. But I remember <laughs> we used to do the Super Bowl here. <laughs> parties, and I was torn, and you can tell this is a long time ago, because this is when the Dallas Cowboys were in it, and I remember, <laughs> do I miss church, and I'm like, I'm going still, you know, I'm going, I went to church, and then, you know, and, and then went there, but we don't miss for games, we don't miss for, for anything, you know, our, our, our uh, you know, obviously if somebody's sick or something that's different, but this is just, this is how we do our life. The Linders, we do church on Sundays. Wednesdays, there's a youth group here. There's a kids town here. We get our kids in there. Why? Positioning them for success. Right? You want to receive something from the Lord? You're more likely to receive something from the Lord here today with an awesome band, you know, leading you in worship, uh, uh, Pastor Rick or ourselves, whoever's teaching, a teaching pastor giving you a word, giving you something from the scriptures, you know, a fellowship continuing. You think you're more... Uh, likely to receive something from the Lord here or sitting on your couch watching a football game or out doing whatever. So what we want to do is try to position our kids, you know, by getting them here on Sundays and Wednesdays to youth group or whatever that would look like for you so that they can have those opportunities for the Lord to do a work. For the Lord to do a work. I've shown, and I don't know about you, but I've shown up and before and thought, you know, not expecting anything and the Lord just does something amazing in a service or message, and it was right for you. So we want to make sure that we're positioning our kids. So we want to teach it to our kids so they hear it, 
And we want to model it to our kids so they see it. And we're going to go on to point number two. Um, number two, guard their hearts. Guard their hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And the NIV says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So it's our priority as parents to guard the hearts of our children and protect them. Um, why? Because the issues of life, everything springs from it. Matthew 15, Jesus said, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. So the things, notice what he said, and even think about this. And I believe Jesus because he knew some stuff, right? <laughs> the answer is yes. So he, he, he said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. You got a problem with your thought life? It's not your thought life, it's your heart. So in other words, seeds, how do things get into our heart? Through our eyes, through our ears. Seeds get planted in. So if you're dealing with things in your thought life, you, we let them in. And that's how we got to that, that point, according to Jesus. So if, the, if we have a thought problem in our thought life, we need to get, you know, get the word in so that it gets in our head. And we start thinking and dwelling on those things. And all these things are proceeding from the heart. So the two main entry points that we have to guard are our eyes and our ears. And we just wanted to give you some practical application. If you have kids or youth um, in the home setting, some boundaries. And let's start with probably the most um, relevant one, the smartphone. And this is the center of a teenager's world, the smartphone. And this is how they interact with the world. This is how they're taking in the world oftentimes. And in 2007, Apple introduced the first iPhone changed the world, really has changed um, uh, youth and our culture, shaping our culture, the, 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 the smartphone and, and the iPhone. But here's even more than that. For us, it's interesting because 2007, 12 years ago, that's when I started doing youth ministry. So the first students that I was teaching and interacting with had no cell phones. That culture had no phones, no smartphones. And then now I've seen this progression. I am not here to badmouth, rip, in any way put down our youth today because we have some awesome students, and I'm so proud of them, and they love, and they love the Lord. I'm, all I'm trying to point out is things are different now. Things have changed. The way they see the world, the way they process things, the way they think, it's different. It's, it's shaping and, and changing the hearts and minds of, of our culture. And I think, to be honest, I think it's so much harder for the youth today because they're getting bombarded so much easier than they were, you know, even 12 years ago. Um, but so that said, even ourselves, we have um, a teenager. So we're now entered into this realm of smartphone. When do you get it? When do you don't get it? So our seventh grade boy... Now ready, you graduate and finish seventh grade here in whatever, a month or so, and ready to go into eighth. He has a smartphone, but it's not so smart. <laughs> so he's got a phone, but we have it completely on lockdown. It's used for 
it's used for texting and calling. That's basically what you can do. There's no apps on it. There's nothing. He has a phone, so he can. But, you know, when he's not with us, if we need to get a hold of him, any of those things, he can text us. He can call us. And then really, that's what, we've, what we're comfortable with right now um, at this point. So we're learning everything as we go, but we're taking every precaution to, to guard his heart as well. And um, just on that note, um, we just want to encourage you to set boundaries. Um, boundaries are so important when it comes to technology. Um, there's a lot of resources out there um, you guys can look up. Um, we could literally do a whole day on all of the things and talk about, you know, all of the things. Most of you know um, how harmful um, some of the access to things can be for our kids. So um, we've set some boundaries in our home. Um, and one of the things that I feel very strongly about just from our years of experience working with parents and teenagers and, and what things affect them is um, there really is no reason for your kids to have a phone with them at night. Um, one of the things that we do is we pray for our kids and um, right before bedtime, and then we collect all of the devices and they go in Scott's nightstand. And um, it's just been something we've done from the very beginning. Um, so I encourage you if, you, if you don't already have some boundaries, um, start thinking about what that might be for your kids as they're growing. Um, but it's a boundary that we've set and we feel really um, strongly about it. One, it's like, what good really is going to come with them having it at night, the likelihood of them doing, um, going on something that they shouldn't um, while you're sleeping is a lot um, higher. And then also, studies have shown how important it is for us to have that downtime, and this applies to us too. Um, but our kids really need the time to like step away from all of the stuff that's bombarding them. So nighttime is a good uh, time for that. And um, we know that your kids might try to talk you out of this. So they might have a three-point plan on why they need their phones at night. So we came up with a couple things that you can say to them in response so that you can be prepared. Okay, so the first thing they might say is, well, I need it for my alarm. And what I would say to that is at Walmart, they have these things called alarm clocks. They're about $9.99. And you can pick one of them up for them, and that would help them out. Um, the second thing they might say is, well, what if my friend has an emergency? So I would encourage you to tell your kids to instruct their friends on how to call 911 in case of an emergency. Um, they can do that. And then they might say, um, well, I've got a lot of homework, and I need it for my vocabulary words. And in that instance, I would tell them, I will buy you a dictionary, old school dictionary. So the point being is there really is no reason for them to have their devices with them at night. <laughs> That's right. So and I, I, wanna, I just want to say something, too. Um, we're different. You're like, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need to look. I don't. I don't need to look and go. Hey, what are you guys doing? What's what? What, what are they doing? What's our neighbors doing? You know, it's like we we have set. And again, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not so much worried about what you're doing. It's not. My kids aren't your kids, right? So it's like we're different. I've set the way I do my life, and then the Lindner house. What we do our life. We're, you know, it's our kids. We're Lindners. This is how we do things. You know, it's like. <laughs> and it's like I'm. So I. 
you can't go with what the culture is doing because you guys know that the culture is different from when you were in high school. It's changed. So the culture is changing. So you can't always go, well, the culture is doing this now. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't change. So we just keep going back and going, this is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to guard our kids' hearts constantly, constantly taking every step and precaution to, to, to uh, protect and guard our kids' hearts. And then um, when we talk about some of the other things, social media, internet, music, movies, um, it can be overwhelming. But I have, I have one word, accountability. Accountability. Every person in life needs accountability. You start living your life without accountability, and, and even this is for the adults, and you, you know, you know, uh, it, people, if they're not held accountable, then who knows how far down a road they may go, and it usually ends bad. So with our kids and with our, our, our children in this generation, we need accountability. So again, I am not here to tell you this is the appropriate age that, you know, your high schooler can, with social media or any of these. That's not, that's not my heart today. I don't want to be legalistic. There needs to, whenever you open these doors, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be accountability. So know where um, your kids are going on the Internet. Know if they have social media. Who are their friends? What are they saying? Parents, just let me give you a tip. Um, Facebook is for old people. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm on Facebook. I would see. No, kids don't use Facebook. This generation doesn't use Facebook. Do you know why they don't use Facebook? It's too much accountability. <laughs> we want, pri- this generation loves privacy. Okay, if I, if I, you know, and, and now the ultimate form of privacy is something called Snapchat. Because I could send somebody a message, and then it dissolves. It's gone after. There's no, no text where somebody can say, let me see your phone and see what you did. It's just gone. There's nothing there. No accountability. So you need to know that. You know, know, know if you have kids in the home, you need to know some of the, uh, and this is our culture, what, what they have. And again, I it's, it's a matter of guarding our kids' hearts, and especially when they're young, knowing where they're, where they're at on, with their social media, knowing where they're, uh, what they're watching, what they're listening to, some of the things, movies as far as intake, even some of that stuff can be overwhelming. One, one thing for you, um, if you don't, there's some tools out there that are helpful. Um, one is called um, IMBD, Internet Movie Database. Another one is Common Sense Media. You can actually go on these, and let's say there's a movie that your kid wants to see, and you can. there's a parent's guide. You can click on that parent's guide, and it will tell you everything. It'll tell you sexual content. It'll tell you what, what kind of language is in it. And sometimes it's not perfect. It'll miss some things. But you get a pretty good idea of what your, your, your kid's going to be watching. So you want to... to uh, utilize those tools. And it's not just for our kids. It's for us. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. Because it, we can't have two sets of standards. Now, I understand when our, when our kids are little, you know, when, meaning like, you know, because, you know, they could be scared by something on and, you know, when they're like, you know, but when, once our kids start getting, we're talking especially like the teenage years and this type of stuff, it can't be, hey, look at this is okay for us. You guys go in the room while we finish this program because it's not okay for you. We have to be really careful yeah. because a lot of stuff, if it's not okay for them, it's probably not okay for us either. 
Or, and Paul said, everything is permissible. The Apostle Paul, not Paul Sayun. Everything, <laughs> everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not about being legalistic. It's about guarding your heart. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. And so we need to be really careful with that and set some boundaries there. And, and those are some good tools to do that. Um, I am B- DB and Common Sense Media. And we've really, um, we're passionate about this because we've seen firsthand um, through the years the effects of media on our kids. And um, people might say that it doesn't affect them, but um, I'll argue with you for hours on that because I've seen it over and over again when we allow things to fill our minds and our kids' minds and how that it affects them. Um, And we have to stop pretending like it doesn't affect them because it does. Um, I... As you guys probably know, depression in this culture has substantially increased among young kids and teenagers um, by like, it's substantial. And um, especially in the last 10 years, studies have shown that um, especially depression and suicide have actually increased um, hugely and among young kids. And I can tell you over and over again, I will have conversations with kids who are really struggling with depression. And over and over again, I know for, from talking with them or seeing what they um, are into that oftentimes they're filling their minds with horror films and video games that are all about shooting each other and killing each other. It does affect their minds and we have to protect them. We have to guard them. Um, and, and just um, like Scott said, there's so many tools out there. There's really no excuse um, for us, um, ourselves, or, or for the things that we let our kids see because we can look ahead of time and protect them in that way. I remember um, several years ago having a conversation with a mom, and she came to us, and she was crying, and she said, I'm just really discouraged because... Um, my daughter's been really promiscuous, and um, she's just really struggling. And we prayed together, and we talked. And um, a couple hours later, we were at youth group, and I was standing with a bunch of the girls, and we were talking. And this young girl said, I am so excited. My dad's out of town this weekend, and me and my mom are going to binge watch Sex in the City. And I was like, wait a minute. We just had this conversation And there wasn't this connection that the things that they were allowing her to um, see and partake in were affecting her. Or maybe they were just ignoring it. But the fact of the matter is, these things do affect our kids, and we have to guard their hearts. Absolutely. Um, One final thing we just want to touch on is your, um, your kids' friends. And we need to be involved in, in that and understand, be involved at least to the point where it was, we know there's some accountability there, who they're hanging out with, who they're um, spending the most time with, because peer pressure is real. And um, your, friends will, uh, your kids' friends will often shape their character as well, as long as you. There's some, there's this, there's, they're getting it from all different areas as far as who they're becoming, these influences. And so we really want to be aware of who they're spending time with. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
bad company corrupts good character. That's a biblical principle. And you know why I know it's true? Because everybody in this room, we know whether when you were in high school or any type, if people started hanging around with the wrong crowd, it usually ended bad, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and so we need to start, and even starting younger. So um, uh, uh, with our, 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 as parents, we need to be involved in that, know who our kids are hanging out with, know who they're spending the most, uh, most of their time with and who they're gravitating to. Uh, towards uh, where they, uh, when they're in a, a room, anything, you can start to kind of see who uh, the friends that they choose and really just be involved and know so you can help them make good, good decisions. And one of the ways we can do that is, you've heard this before, be the house that your kids um, hang out at. And it's still true today, be that house. Um, I remember growing up, that was our house. We had people over our house all the time. We knew at any time we could bring our friends and they would be welcomed um, with lots of food and love. And still to this day, a lot of my friends um, call my parents their second um, parents. Um, I remember one day, um, my mom had just gone shopping at Costco and we had five kids in our house. So that was like a big ordeal to go shopping at Costco for your groceries. And um, I had some friends over and my mom came home and the fridge was completely emptied. So they had literally eaten everything in our fridge. And I think we had to eat spaghetti the rest of the week because we had already spent our grocery bill for the, <laughs> for the week. But um, so it takes sacrifice. Sometimes it takes um, extra work on your part, but it's worth it because it gives you the opportunity to get to know your kids' friends and kind of see the influences that are happening in their life. And... Um, the other way that we can do that is through social media. Um, you can find out a lot about your kids' friends by looking at how their friends are commenting on things. Um, that's just a little tip I give you. Um, I do that with our youth. Don't unfriend me today. <laughs> um, I look and I, I get to see because it shows me how I can pray for them, how I can encourage them and um, it gives you an idea of which friends you want to be encouraging them to spend time with and which ones you want to steer them away from so absolutely um accountability over privacy when it comes to your 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 kids is yeah. is is really kind of where we would uh draw the line with that and i know that's tough because you want to give um your kids privacy as they keep getting older too but there always needs with the more you responsibility as they earn that. See, responsibility is supposed to be earned, right? And something we earn and, and keep doing. And as they are showing and proving themselves responsible and you start, whatever, dealing with some of these issues that come up, whether it's social media or some of these things, um, uh, there needs to be accountability. Um, but I don't think that, um, I think privacy for our teenagers and our kids is a little overrated. <laughs> so, I mean, we want to give them their space, but by giving them their space, if that means, hey, you do whatever you want, and I'm just going to trust that you're making good decisions, um, that, again, we're different. We're different. We don't, we don't do that at our house. There's accountability with everything. And I just want to share something with you. I, I have accountability. I have accountability. Even on my smartphone, I had made a choice years ago. This is over 10 years ago when I got a smartphone that there's something called covenant eyes. And Covenant Eyes is a filter on your phone that um, I put it there so that in a moment of weakness, anything, I'm not going to look at something inappropriate. You know why? Somebody gets a message. I have an accountability partner. So for 10 years, never he's never gotten a message because he knows <laughs> that I know that if I did anything, it goes in-app, all kinds of things, on the internet, anything I do, 
Somebody, if I look at anything inappropriate, it's on my computer, it's on my phone, goes to somebody. You know what? That's, that's freeing. That's freeing because I can say, you know, with clean hands, look at, I, I open book. You want to look at my history? You want to look at anything? Everything is there. I have somebody that I'm accountable to. It goes to them. And so the reason I say that is because I'm big on accountability. I put it over my life to guard my heart. Why not over my kids? Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go on to uh, point number three, fight for them. Fight for them. Um, why do we need to fight for our kids? Because we have an enemy that wants to destroy our children. John 10.10 says, um, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. We know God's plan for your kids, right? Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you. God's got good plans to give our, our, our family a hope and our future. But the enemy wants to come in destroy those plans, wreak havoc in your marriage, in your kids, in your life. He literally wants to destroy God's plans for our life. And we have to be aware of that because that means that we're in a spiritual battle. Yep. And um, Ephesians six twelve. you guys know this verse, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And one of the ways that we battle for our kids is through prayer. Um, We pray for them daily. We should be praying for them daily. Um, We should be asking the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom on what to pray for them. Um, He'll give us insight sometimes on things that we don't even know about. Um, But also, pray with your kids. I just encourage you to take the time to pray together with your kids. Um, it's a really good spiritual gauge to have them pray for you too. You can ask them to pray for you. And I said today, you know, hey guys, will you pray for me? Mom's going to be teaching today and I'm a little nervous. And they prayed for me. But ask them to pray for you and pray with them. And um, oftentimes you'll see if your kid's getting really like apprehensive about when you ask them to pray or whatever, a little bit rebellious about it, it gives you a good spiritual gauge on where they're at um, and a chance to kind of go, okay, you know, something's going on here, and you can up your prayer time for them, and you can kind of uh, probe a little bit and, and see where they're at. So um, pray together with your kids. Um, that's really important. For sure. We're going to go ahead and close up. If I can get the band to come on up, we're going to close. We want to do something uh, today. I, we wanted to pray for, for you guys and just pray a blessing over you guys. Um, and as I thought about this today, knowing that we were going to be praying for you, we, I, I thought, you know what, there's so many different seasons of life and so many different um, situations in this room, whether you are a youth, whether you're a parent, you're a grandparent. And I started thinking of all the roles. So I, I, the way I thought, you know what, I want to pray for all the influencers. And you know who that is? That's everyone, because it takes a village to raise a child, and we, we're all together. It takes a community. And so if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt or uncle, if you're a teacher, if you're a youth leader, kids town worker, you do VBS, you do the camps, anything. If you're pouring your life in any way, if you're influencing this next generation in some, some way, some shape, some form, um, we, we need God's help. And we wanted to, to pray that over you. 
And I also wanted to mention that, you know, and the Lord had put this on my heart, that if you, if you were contending, maybe you do have adult children now and you're still contending. Well, keep on contending. Amen. Keep on fighting. Keep on doing everything. Keep on being that light, even in your, your adult children. We're constantly training. It never stops. It never stops. So we wanted to pray uh, for you guys. So why don't we, we do that? Lord, I just lift up every person in this room, God, and I ask that you would, um, Lord, strengthen us, God, encourage us in the times that we're living to be bold and courageous, God. Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit to do all that you've called us to do and to lead our children and those we're influencing into the kingdom of God. Lord, um, give us opportunities, Lord. Um, increase our Lord, scope of um, influence with others, God, and just give us those opportunities and lead us by your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct us, God. In your name we pray. Lord, we lift up 